0: Hello everyone, wherever you are. Thank you for listening to this podcast and welcome to Fiona McIntosh Unscripted. The first of the Unscripted series was set up during lockdown 2020 and was just my way of reaching out to my reading audience to just stay connected with them. And I talked about small things, aspects of life that glue us all together. So series two, it's going to be ramblings, but between two people. And it's going to have the common theme of wardrobe mishaps. Now I've had my fair share of them, as many of you know, but these are not my mishaps now. These are your mishaps and they're hilarious. And I want to celebrate all the brave people who are prepared to come on this podcast and share publicly catastrophes with their clothes or their underwear. I do hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone. Today, my guest is the lovely Liz McKenzie. Now, Liz, I have learned, came to Australia on a working holiday in back in 1976. That sounds a long way, a long time ago, but to us, it was a blink, no doubt. She was here for a year, and then she returned permanently the following year. And she lived in Sydney for a while. And these days well, back in the 80s, she moved down to Adelaide, which is where I live, and she's been living here ever since. Now, our stories seem to have a similar trajectory, Liz, because I did exactly the same thing. I came out on a working holiday, fell in love with Australia, fell in love with its people and lifestyle, and fell in love with one of them in particular. And so I came back permanently in 1980. But I'm very jealous of you in one regard, and we'll get onto that in a minute as to why I'm jealous. Let me just say welcome to Wardrobe Mishaps, Liz.
1: Thank you, Fiona. It's lovely to be with you. (laughs) Uh,
0: It's my pleasure to have you on. Now, why am I jealous? I'm jealous because you studied history, which is a subject so very close to my own heart, and I could wish I had done the same at university. But I studied it all the way through high school, right up until what we called our A-levels, which qualified me to go to university. But You took it to a new level, you studied history in a place that most of us can only dream of studying, which is Cambridge. So now tell us, Liz, about life as a student studying history in Cambridge back in the early 70s, I presume this would have been.
1: Yes, yes, I I do consider myself very fortunate. I belong to a generation that um, in England at that stage, um, yeah, I think there were a lot of openings from coming up for people of non-traditional backgrounds in terms of um for Cambridge and Oxford were making efforts to not just take in students from the public school system, which we know here as private schools. I went to a college called New Hall that was not founded until 1954, which is in fact terribly recent by Cambridge standards. But it always had a different focus. It was on all-girls college. I vividly remember sitting the entrance exam um, in 1968 and uh, one of the, the gift questions for me was, assassination has never changed the history of the world, discuss. <laughs> and, um, of course, we had just had Bobby Kennedy, JFK Martin Luther King but I did know enough history to mention Sarajevo and the start of the First World War and some other notable assassinations in that but yes it was a wonderful experience I, I guess in in lots of ways that I mean there's that thing that, that people say called youth is wasted on the young and I think <laughs> and I think that's probably true but and a lot of time was you know was spent sort of drinking coffee and studying and reading books and having having fun and all the rest of it but there were certainly times when you know you pinched yourself you were you were you know cycling down king's parade and there was all that history right around you and uh, it was a privilege it was it, and and um, and I probably value it more now than I certainly did at the time it, it was amazing
0: Yeah, I think that's so true. And probably even your history qualifications, because you went on to work with companies like Weller and Coca-Cola, which isn't known for needing your historical background, or does it? Were you working with archives? Well,
1: I I think, no, I wasn't really. But I think the whole experience of any university degree is so much broader than its subject content so true. Um, one, of the, one of the things I learned particularly studying history and I'm sure this will resonate with you as a writer of um, historical fiction that I, I very much learned the difference of the importance between um, secondary and primary sources and uh, that was something that when we got in by the time we got into third year that's what we were looking at so that we weren't just kind of reading books about books we were reading you know Hansard which is the you know the um, the the, the record of parliamentary um, business and and all sorts of
0: things and and and
1: you know people's diaries and all that yes. kind of thing and i'm sure all that's familiar to you
0: yeah i mean witness accounts particularly because i write about uh, my favorite playground is either of the two world wars for, for for not the obvious reasons i just think they provide a brilliant backdrop of a conflicted time when people behaved in a, in a different way. They were very romantic. They lived hard. They played hard because they didn't know what was happening in the world. Mm. And so it just gives me that wonderful backdrop. But yes, when I read a, a, I can read a dry historical tome and then I can read about that same situation from somebody who lived through that time and, mm. and tap into their memories, or I actually can interview somebody who remembered those times. It, that primary source, as you say, um, it mm. makes it very alive in my mind to get it directly from those wet memories. It's incredible. It mm.
1: Mm. And it's exciting. It's a, it is. It, you know, to sort of you know, feel as though you're touching people across the centuries.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm. I've just been watching the film called The Dig. Which is about oh, yes, uh, the that. most yes. marvelous mm. discovery. Um, and mm. I won't spoil it for people, but mm. it's the Sutton Who um archaeological Hell, dig. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I've seen I've seen um in the British Museum the results of that dig, and it's gobsmacking, and you just can stare at it forever because you're touching mm. a period, um, the dark ages that you can't believe and everyone thinks the Dark Ages was a time of no sophistication and then you see this glorious um, uh, jewellery and and helmet and aspects that were from the lives of those people and you realise they were very sophisticated and incredible artists and, uh, you know, touching lives from all those, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Mm. It's an incredible experience. Um But maybe we have to be older to really enjoy it. I I don't know. Perhaps
1: so, perhaps so, yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'd have been quite so excited when I was really young, but now as I'm older Mm. and have an appreciation for the past, I think uh, I I just stood there forever and people were pushing past me and wishing I would move on sort of thing. (laughs) I could not stop looking at that helmet. Mm. Anyway, let's bring us now on to Liz of 40 years ago, when something rather amusing happened to you, you're in Sydney and Mm. it was a very warm Friday evening. And I'm going to hand over to you. You were single, you were carefree, Mm -mm.
1: you probably had
0: a banging body at that time (laughs) and looking fabulous, (laughs) feeling fabulous, filled with confidence Mm. that the youth have. Um, Take us through what happened to you, Liz.
1: Okay. Well yes I um I was I was living in Sydney I'd moved um, when I came back to Australia the second time I settled in Sydney I um I was in, in the gap between my first and second visits, uh, an aunt of mine had told me that I had, in fact, a, a cousin that I, uh, who lived here, who was a little older than I was, and um, one of those slip generation cousins. Um, <laughs> and um, she was a bit crazy, actually. I mean, she was fun; she was out there and so on. She was living in Paddington in Sydney, and um, she was a great cook. And um, this particular incident um, wasn't the only time when I'd got. Over there for a meal, and you know there'd been far too much drinking had gone on before the meal arrived on the table. But anyway, this was one of those times, and um, I'd um, I'd ended up sort of staying staying the night because you know there'd been rather too much champagne had gone on before them. I don't remember the meal to be honest, <laughs> but um, anyway. It, I, I was on my work clothes, you know, from the day before and so on. When I got up and you know, surfaced on the Saturday morning, and it was very warm in summertime, and I um, I said to her, I said, have you got something I can wear to go home in? I don't really want to put these clothes back on. And she said, oh, she said, have this. She said, I've got a sarong. I said, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good with these, <laughs> I said, and she said, "Oh, it's all right." She said, "Here, come here," and she said, "I'll tie it for you." So anyway, she tied the sar- sarong, and I, you know, Julia, it was some orange thing, I think, and it very <laughs> flamboyant, like her. But which is, I, I wasn't really that sort of a person, to be honest. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't go with blonde hair. um Anyway, I got in the car, and um, I was driving back. I can't remember, honestly. I don't know why I was going across the Roseville Bridge, but they the think of it but anyway I did move around a bit in, in Sydney in those times and halfway across I sort of thought I don't think that this thing is quite
0: feeling right
1: it's um, were you
0: feeling a breeze somewhere so,
1: well it, it was it, yes it was it was it was less of a breeze more of a sort of a lopsidedness to be perfectly honest <laughs> <laughs> anyway I I could see the traffic lights at the top of the hill um, having crossed the bridge, and I was thinking, please, please be green, please be green. And, of course, they weren't, (laughs) and I had to come to a stop, at which point I surreptitiously looked down and realised that my right breast had entirely slipped its moorings. (laughs) Fabulous. (laughs) But what was worse was that... At the traffic lights, it was two lanes and I had a companion (laughs) (laughs) in the next lane and I absolutely knew that it was male and I absolutely (laughs) knew that he wasn't looking at the traffic lights. (laughs) And I just thought, what shall I do? Shall I just kind of shovel this back in, you know, (laughs) brazen it out (laughs) or just... Anyway, I, all I could do was will those lights to change, which, you know, when you want traffic lights to change, they seem to take an eternity, don't they?
0: Yes, forever. And
1: when they did, I just shot off <laughs> so fast in this Datsun 120 wire the world record. And when I did actually breathe, I looked in my Rear vision mirror. (laughs) I don't think he'd noticed the lights had changed, to be honest. No, he was still... He wasn't looking frontwards.
0: (laughs) He was still thinking about that very perky breast (laughs) that he couldn't be sure he actually had seen how wonderful and did you have to write yourself or what did you do did you
1: I don't I don't know I, I think I just kept driving <laughs> 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 what could I do with this I don't think if I would tried to retie it I would have been any more successful anyway but um, I, I just know. I just hope that I just I just I have visions of this guy sort of you know sitting around dinner t- party tables telling this story from the other standpoint and I hope he's had as much <laughs> much fun out of it over the years as I have it's 40 years ago Fiona I know and oh, I
0: hope he's I, I hope his wife or one of his yes, friends is listening yes. to this podcast and saying so. I've just heard and I know who that woman is who had her breast hanging out on that day oh, how hysterical how hysterical very good well I'm glad you were you were brazen about it because you could yes. your body would oh, have been fabulous goodness. so
1: well yes I
0: mean it, it, it
1: it's been admired in its time (laughs)
0: I love it. That's the confidence we love. Um, Liz, you've been a great sport sharing this with all of us. Thank you. I'm amazed at um, how this happens to all of us, and we've all survived um, the dreadful things, but they do make for good listening. Uh, mm. when we're a bit older and can, can cope with the humiliation of it. Um, well, I'm nearly
1: 70, so I, you know, I, my my only fear now of wardrobe mishaps is that I'll do one of those old lady things where you come Drop out of your the knickers. toilet and your skirt, <laughs> your skirt stuck in your knickers, you know. Yeah, gone. all of
0: that, all of that. <laughs>
1: Please, well, to the
0: next 70 years then. Thank, thank, thank you. <laughs> you. Thanks, Liz, very, very much. Thanks, stay Fiona. warm, stay safe.
1: Yes, you too. Thanks.
0: Bye. <laughs> Bye now. You've been listening to the Fiona McIntosh Unscripted podcast. Thank you everyone so much for spending some time with me. If you think you'd like to hear more episodes like this, where I'll often blather on to myself about matters close to my heart, or more increasingly, I will be talking to very interesting people about their career paths or their pastimes that I find intriguing then do please subscribe and you can catch every episode as soon as it is uploaded. In the meantime, if you'd like to read more about my books or my masterclasses or simply contact me, head to my website at www.fionamacintosh.com. And I will look forward to sharing some more time with you very soon. Stay safe.